Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rollins and Kevin Whitham. Hi guys, and welcome back to another conversation on the Common Ground Unities podcast. We're so excited you've joined us. This week, we are going to be doing a continuation of last week's podcast. Before I reintroduce our um, guests, I'm your co-host, Megan Rawlings, joined by my co-host, Kevin Witham. And Megan, it is great to be back with you for another podcast, and uh, great to be back with Randy and Rhonda Lowry. We had a great podcast uh, last week with them. And just to reintroduce, if you missed that broadcast, I, I hope you'll go back and listen to it. Uh, Randy Lowry is the president of Lipscomb University in Nashville, Tennessee, where he has served since 2005. Um, and some terrific things have happened at Lipscomb in those years. He's getting ready to transition out of that role uh, and be the chancellor at Lipscomb and maybe have a little more time to enjoy their grandkids. But I have a sense uh, he's going to continue to stay very busy uh, prior to uh, taking the leadership there at Lipscomb. Uh, he and Rhonda were both out here on the West Coast where they uh, served and taught at Pepperdine University. Randy was in the uh, law school there and also, and this goes towards some things we're going to talk about in this podcast, was the founding director of the Strauss Institute for Dispute Resolution. And those concepts and the skills and the, the training that came through that uh, particular institute were applied in uh, corporate, governmental, and congregational settings. So we're going to talk about that in a bit as well. Rhonda, uh, who is also um, a teacher there at uh, Pepperdine and uh, now a teacher at Lipscomb University, uh, also has, has, we would say, co-served with Randy. She's just, they've been true partners in their life and ministry and service to Lipscomb. She teaches at Lipscomb University, has her Master's of Divinity, um, and she's also a fellow and one of the founders of the Institute uh, for Christian Spirituality there at Lipscomb University. I think I've identified that correctly and has done a lot of work in spiritual formation. She has also been a speaker on so many programs across the country, both at universities and different church programs, and has blessed many in that way. So Randy and Rhonda, so good to have both of you back with us. We're, we're thankful that you're with us for another podcast. Thank you, Kevin. It's great to be here. We really enjoyed last time and we look forward to tonight. And Megan, glad to be with you too. Well, thank you. I'm going to start off because last week we um, didn't quite get to finish some of the questions I had for Rhonda. Um, and I wanted to kind of start off with that, if you don't mind. So, sure. Rhonda, you have worked extensively in theological studies, which is what my master's is in, so I have a special place in my heart for it, and uh, education, and you serve as a fellow with the Institute for Sp Christian Spirituality. 
We've spoken a lot in our history about discipleship and equipping believers. How would you describe spiritual formation? Like, what are the goals of the Institute? Uh, I would say that spiritual formation is an engagement of all of what it means to be human and, and using all of, of who we are as humans in a transforming way, which is what it takes to be spiritually formed. If you, if you really think about it, um, Christianity for one reason or another has kind of fallen so that different um, tribes, if you will, of Christianity have have focused on one part of what it means to be a human being and and really focused on forming that part of of what it is and basically it's what it, what I'm talking about when I say being a human being there are four domains um there's the cognitive domain the knowing domain there's the behavioral domain the doing domain there is the the volitional or the feeling domain. And then there's the existential, the spiritual. And all four of those domains have to be engaged for true transformation to take place. And really what spiritual formation is about is transforming our lives to be more like Jesus. So we have to engage all four of those things, not just one of them. And we come out of a tribe where we really have focused on what we know it has been a cognitive experience. We had a very high view of scripture. And, and we really believe that if, if they just knew the truth, that the truth would make you free, and that was scriptural, and we stood on it. Um, and we've really left the feeling side of the experience out. And even to the point of the doing was not as important as knowing the right things. Um, the Methodists had us beat in walking out the Christianity. Um, and I think, you know, certainly the Pentecostals had us beat in the experiential side of it. And then there's that, uh, the Quakers had us beat in the existential side of it and just the kind of the being, if you will. But spiritual formation comes about and says we have to engage all of those things in order for transformation to take place. And it really is much more about teaching for transformation instead of teaching for information. Well, I love that phrase, teaching for transformation and not just for information. I I fear, Kevin, that we have read scripture for that reason. We have read scripture to prove someone else wrong instead of reading it for the transforming of our lives to be more like Jesus. Yes, because the goal of Scripture is to, to take it into our hearts and let, us, let it form us more into the image of Christ and to let the Spirit go to work. Boy, it, Rhonda, that has been, I think, so much part of our heritage. Right. Um, knowing the Bible just to know certain facts, but well, it's about knowing Jesus and becoming like Him. Well, you know, so much of, we've read scripture so that we could be obedient. And scripture is really written so we could have relationship mm. with God. Yes. And yes, obedience is a part of that, but that wasn't the end. 
He took care of obedience on the cross. It really was about having a deep, overflowing relationship. And obedience was one part of that, but but knowing God and having a love affair with, with who he was, uh, and then anticipating the future and who he really wanted us to be at the very core of who we are, and finding our place in God's story. Um, that's why we read scripture is all four of those. Well, I love that. I see another podcast in the future. Uh, <laughs> boy, I'd love to explore that further with both of you. Let's, let's turn to uh, conflict resolution and, uh, and churches and, and unity. And I might mention at this particular point, um, I said this in, t- in the introduction, uh, you two were th- the first in my knowledge, at least, of, of people in our churches um, bringing conflict resolution principles uh, to churches in the ways that you did. Now, if we were all reading scripture, well, there's a lot of good conflict resolution uh, instruction in scripture and how to handle it. And, and you all uh, not only did that in churches, but as I mentioned earlier, in other settings as well. And by the way, I might mention here that uh, Randy has authored, I think, three books on conflict resolution, and and one particularly on conflict management and counseling that goes back a ways that uh, offered some uh, resources for Christian counseling. So some of you may want to get that book um, and add it to your your reading list. Um, Randy, to, to talk about that a little bit, as you consider the current culture and the challenges that we face in the church. It just seems that good conflict resolution is so relevant today. Talk to us a little bit more about your involvement in the field and why you think it's so crucial in the life of the church, as well as in society as a whole. Well, Kevin, uh, it was an opportunity I had, I think, uh, being a lawyer, but also being uh, committed to our fellowship to say, how do those two come together uh, one might not think of lawyers as peacemakers, but uh, the idea of law as governing uh, our behavior and the idea of our faith in terms of how we relate to each other uh, just caused me to say, is there something we might do, we might offer that will help people uh, live more uh, peaceful lives together? And growing up in the church, you and others know that uh, it's not always a place of great peace. Sometimes there's <laughs> great conflict. And So, you know, if you step way back, I think the reality is that Jesus uh, was uh, pretty clear about how he wanted us to relate to each other. That last moment where he's praying across the years uh, for those that would follow. And the only thing he asked for uh, was this sense of our being united. And it wasn't a sense of being united because we have a joy just because we get along. It was for a very particular reason, the passage talks about, uh, you know, I, I pray that you will be one as I am one with the Father, so that uh, all people will be drawn into uh, this relationship with God. And, and so I think we have a very biblical calling to be uh, in peace with each other, and that in a sense, it's almost a form of evangelism. It's almost a form of portraying our special relationship uh, because we're able to do that. And we also know it's really difficult. You bring a church together, 
and there are several hundred people who have different backgrounds, different elements of education, different cultures, different uh, families, and somehow we're all supposed to get along. And that's not going to happen unless there's something very, very special there uh, that is really a God-blessed kind of relationship uh, with each other. So uh, even Jesus, I think, uh, assumed there would be conflict or he wouldn't have written in the Sermon on the Mount, those wonderful passages about uh, how we might deal with these difficult moments in Matthew 18 and Matthew 5. So here we are uh, as uh, God's people, but not always perfect when it comes to getting along. And so our effort was simply to say, are there some principles? Are there some skills? Uh, could we remind ourselves of our calling? And because of that, demonstrate to the world something really, really special. Talk to us a little bit about the connections between conflict resolution and spiritual formation that we were just talking about, uh, about a few moments ago. How do you see those two together? Well, I think as uh, Rhonda would suggest, uh, we, we seek to be f complete people in terms of being formed in the image of Christ. And uh, if we were able to do that, uh, we then would uh, find it uh, probably easier to get along with each other. Uh, the reality is we uh, have a difficulty getting along with each other at times, and we're not very Christ-like. Uh, and at times we're not giving the example to the world that it really deserves from uh, the kingdom of God. So it is a very spiritual thing, in addition to some really practical stuff. Uh, it's a very spiritual thing to say, what is our relationship with each other? What do we want that to be? And, and so often I think we find that there's an issue over which we have different perspectives or disagreement, and yet we have something that is much more profound than that in terms of the faith that we do share, the God that we do serve, uh, and the missions that we're trying to walk out in these churches. Uh, if there is something like good and evil, uh, I, I think there is a uh, you know, a, a sense where Satan doesn't have to blow up the building. Satan just has to kind of get enough stuff going between us that we kind of forget about what we were really called to do and called to be. Mm. So uh, it is very much uh, a spiritual moment uh, as it is a, a very practical moment. And sometimes in the world of, of conflict resolution, uh, you know, one just simply needs to remind ourselves of that. Uh, especially when we realize that so much of what we disagree about, we have such passion about in the moment, but in another context, we may not feel quite as strongly. And so it cautions us to be a little careful even in that moment. Uh, I remember a moment uh, at a lectureship at Pepperdine where two people came in my class and uh, they later told me that they were um, responsible for uh, really both sides of a split in a church. And as I was talking to one of them later, he said, you know, we couldn't even remember exactly what it was all about. And mm -hmm. well, I'm sure it was important at the moment, but in the larger context, uh, maybe not so important. And, and we need to remind ourselves of our calling then uh, to be unified for much more profound reasons. You know, it seems through the... Uh the years I've, I've seen things explode sometimes in churches. And I've thought, um, because I've seen 
you know, a team like the two of you go into a church and really start to uh, help a church through the process of resolving things. I thought, boy, if they had a, a Randy and a Rhonda Lowry, that may have never gotten to that particular place. Um, w- when you go into a church and when you've done this, and, and I know your schedules probably preclude you from doing this in, in these days, but, but when there's a church at an explosive moment, what, what are the first things you go in and do to try to tap things down a bit and get them to a place where they'll talk? Well, almost always, uh, you know, they have identified an issue and somehow that tangible issue, whatever it is, and it could be a thousand different things, has caused people to, you know, come forward with different perspectives. And usually they're trying to spend their time trying to convince each other their perspective is right. And when they can't do that, they get frustrated and escalate the conflict. And pretty soon we have the North Side Church and the South Side Church. Uh, I'm not sure that's what God had in mind, uh, that, uh, you know, there is a sense of saying uh, not so much why do we disagree or what is our disagreement, but to say, how are we motivated? What what are our interests? Uh, I think the Apostle Paul even talked about that at one point saying to one of the New Testament churches, you know, think about the interests of others uh, higher than you think about your own interests. And, And Jesus certainly did that. And so if we go back and say, whoa, if that was the example set for me, I need to be concerned, as concerned about them as I am this particular issue. And that begins then to reformulate the conversation uh, it was interesting in Matthew uh, 18 when Jesus talks about this kind of stepped process of dealing with a difficult moment. Uh, you know, the essence there is that we're supposed to deal with these things at the lowest possible way, in the most private way. Uh, and going to the body or getting the church involved is really kind of the last step. And so uh, there's a lot of biblical teaching, as, as you mentioned, Uh, that would suggest we take a deep breath, we have a sense of humility we bring to the table, and we really seek to follow the example of Jesus. Kevin, I would suggest that uh, one of the things that we do, and what Randy's talking about in an interest, are those things that motivate us that are not tangible, that are not measurable, that are not easily identifiable, but we, we just try to calm the noise down with some spiritual practices and um, and really let people think about what do you really want out of this and what is really important to you. Um, we get so tied up in trying to defend our the issue that we sometimes miss the big picture and we try to get them looking back into the big picture and the interests that are driving them in this issue. And there's a big difference between an issue and an interest. As you, you, you both have a lifetime. And by the way, I want to mention to our listeners, we, we've had a little technological glitch. And Megan is listening into our conversation, but she can't speak into our conversation. So, so uh, Randy and Rhonda, if you don't hear her, and to our listeners, if you don't hear her, she is with us. Um, but is not, we're not able to hear her. So my apologies uh, for that technical issue we're having. Hopefully we'll be able to get her back before all things have wrapped up here. 
you both have a, a lifetime in, in Churches of Christ. I should say two lifetimes in Churches of Christ. And you've seen churches in, in conflict. We're in an era where, and, and we've always had this, where there are controversial issues that threaten unity in local churches and threaten unity as a family of churches. How could you see the skills that you've applied in local churches contribute uh, not only to unity there to navigate potential conflict, but also in the conversations we're encouraging in common grounds uh, between people in our different streams and even our relationship with other believers? How could some of those skills maybe contribute toward creating greater unity in this movement? Well, let me uh, suggest a couple things, Kevin. One is uh, what has uh, separated the Stone-Campbell movement in the 150 or 60 or 70 years it's existed are largely controversies over very uh, tangible issues. And, and we could each name a lot of those uh, over the history of, of these fellowships. Uh, what we have probably spent less time on are the common interests that we share in the Lordship of Jesus Christ and uh, our uh, difficulty, challenge, uh, humble, seeking to, to follow him. And so your title, even for your organization, Common Grounds, uh, is suggesting that there are some things that are profoundly important and profoundly shared uh, even uh, beyond the issues that have been uh, divisive. And I, I think that our world, and I, I'm sorry it's this way in some way, but, but pleased in another way, uh, our world has in the past given us the luxury of having those fusses and those divisions. Uh, I'm not sure the world will give us that luxury in the future, uh, that uh, there may be a time where we are very, very thrilled to find others who believe in the God we believe in and his son, and the story that we share. And while there will always be differences, and there are differences in every congregation of every church, uh, while there will be differences, that commonality will be something that I think we will cherish more and more and more. Hmm. So your organization, by its very name, and certainly by its mission, is asking us, I think, to consider what we might have in common and how valued that might be, even though we've not always reflected that. One of the things I've heard Randy say many, many times, Kevin, is that unity is not uniformity. And we have spent a lot of time trying to make ourselves uniform, where the love of Jesus and the grace and the mercy and reading scripture for relationship instead of uniformity um, I think it just calls us to something completely different. I think that is what conflict resolution does as well, is it values highly and gives us tools to recognize when the issue is really an interest and it cannot be violated and when we can value relationship over any issue and uh, how to discern all of that. And I think that can be true in families. I think it can be true um, in churches. I think it can be true in, in groups as small as a church staff. 
and the conflict that we find often there. So we are desperately going to need the tools. Yeah, they, they may be more relevant now than ever before. Correct. Um, you made a comment a little earlier, Rhonda, that, that struck with me when, when you go into a church. You know, one of the things you ask is, what do you all want out mm-hmm. of this? Um, that gets at the heart of, of, do we want what Jesus wants or do we want our way? Exactly. Well, um, hopefully that helps some of our listeners who are, you know, considering getting with somebody across town that maybe they've been estranged from, or maybe that they just thought, how do I, how do I even approach that person after so many years of division to say, hey, what Christ wants is for us to be united. And if not blended in our congregational works, at least loving one another and on the same page. So many times. So many times, Kevin, I've said that it it really is somewhat about getting the questions right. And the question really is, what is God doing here? And God is at work in you and among us. And he prays and we pray that he can work through us. And if we can keep all of that in mind, sometimes that just getting that question right of what is God doing here? uh, That can go a long way. Oh, that's good. So as you look at uh, young leaders uh, coming into Lipscomb University, um, and as, you're, as we're talking to, to people in, you know, three different streams of our movement and probably some tributaries of those streams, <laughs> yes. um, what, are, what are your thoughts about uh, encouraging young leaders and other streams to kind of cross the educational divide? And how do you see our universities like Lipscomb contributing to greater unity in this movement and understanding among our fellowships? Well, I, I, I think there's an interesting phenomenon going on, uh, Kevin, and that is um, the generations of students we're dealing with uh, do not have the same sectarian or uh, allegiance to a, a particular church body that generations and generations before have. Uh, on the one hand, I, I want them to uh, hold uh, in their hands and their hearts, you know, our church fellowships. Uh, but I, I think there's some some good that comes when that isn't the way they define it. Uh, in fact, um, you know, we occasionally are interested in, you know, how many Church of Christ kids or how many Christian church kids come to Lipscomb. Uh, and it's more common for this generation to check Christian than it would be any uh, a church tradition. And so on the one hand, it's hard for me to prove my point that they're here. But on the other hand, isn't that exactly what our movement started out to be? Uh, we sought to be Christians coming out of what were a variety of uh, church denominational backgrounds. And uh, here's a generation that's saying, yeah, I get that. That's what I choose to be as well. So uh, there can be a real blessing as they look a little differently. And uh, then they are so committed to not only looking at that differently, but then going out into the world in a whole variety of ways, uh, not to share a particular church tradition, uh, but to share Jesus. And that can be very, very positive as well. Hmm. This is a generation that values authenticity. They can 
smell it, they can taste <laughs> it, they, they can identify it quicker than any other group of people I have ever known in my life. And um, they get to the heart of what it really means to be a Christ follower very, very quickly. And I think we would be well served to listen to this generation very, very carefully. They don't know scripture very well. I'll be the first to admit that. But boy, they've got authenticity down. And I that's going to um that's going to require some things of my generation that um is going to have to be transforming, let's put it that way. <laughs> well that well that makes uh makes me hopeful. Um Absolutely. And and just I, I want to say thank you to the two of you um, for the way you have blessed um, our fellowship. Uh, as you kind of move into this next chapter, um, Rhonda, are you going to maintain your teaching responsibilities there at Lipscomb and continue to work with the Institute for Christian yes. Spirituality? Yes, I am. Well, just God's blessings on both of you. Um, I, I'm hoping you can get a little time out here on the West Coast, too, and get some good Mexican food. Um, you, you both blessed the churches out here, and I know you're a blessing out there in Nashville. And this has just been a delightful conversation. I, I've, I've been inspired talking to both of you, and I know that our listeners have as well. And I hope you'll, uh, you'll come back at some point in the future, because we've got so much more we could explore We'd be happy to, Kevin, and just know that we appreciate uh, your longing for unity and your uh, efforts to create the right kinds of conversations so we all can reflect the body uh, in the most positive way. Unity is just absolutely central to, um, to who we are called to be, Kevin, and I just applaud you for for picking this up and letting and and bringing all three streams of our movement in to host this kind of conversation. This is powerful. We will join you anytime because you're doing really good work. Well, we thank you for that. And we just pray it's a blessing and that it helps to answer the prayer of Jesus. So we thank you for being a part of it. And I'm sorry, Megan, we lost her. She's been listening in and been a part of this, but uh, she's not able, we're not able to hear her. Uh, she would want me to ask the question that we always ask at the end. This is a, a heavy question. Our saying is unity begins with a cup of coffee. Uh, it, it's relational. So we always ask our guests, if somebody was to get together with you for coffee, how do you take your coffee? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we have a Starbucks on campus that is uh, one of the most, uh, one of the busiest Starbucks on a college campus in the Southeast. Uh, and I go uh, every once in a while when I want to be encouraged by students, I stand in line, buy them a cup, and it's always, uh, well, it's usually a, a, a large uh, cafe mocha uh, with an extra shot of mocha. Ooh, that sounds good. I Rhonda? want it strong. Straight <laughs> <laughs> out. I want plain old coffee. Oh, very good. Very good. I've been in that Starbucks on your campus. And have by you? the way, I have. And, well, that Lipscomb campus is beautiful, and some great things have happened there since you all have been there. Well, you all come anytime. And, uh, Megan, we can't uh, hear back from you here, but if you're ever in Nashville, uh, 
raising money for Kentucky Christian or here for any other reason, I'd uh, love to have you come by Lipscomb and uh, we'll share a cup of coffee with you. And we'll be in Southern California sometime. And so, uh, Kevin, do take care. Megan, Certainly. I'd love to buy your lunch. I'll do better than Randy will. Oh, that's an offer she needs to take you up on. She'd uh, love to get to know you more. Well, it's been great to be with you. And, folks, thank you for listening in. Um, next week, we'll have Nadine Templer with us on our next podcast. So we hope you'll join us once again. Uh, on behalf of myself and Megan Rawlings, have a great week. And go get a cup of coffee with somebody and start building that relationship. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.